Hello and welcome back to The Word is Very Near You, my podcast about God's presence in our everyday lives. This is James, and I'm so glad you're with me today. Today I'm beginning a new series called Think and Do, and it's based on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Think and Do was actually the name of a very simple yet effective ad campaign ran by my alma mater a few years ago. Think and Do focused on the reason why you go to college, right, to learn, to gain knowledge, but you don't just hoard it and keep it inside. You end up doing something with it. So it focused on students who went to college and learned and then got out and started doing things with the knowledge they had learned. Think and Do. Think and Do is also a very apt description of the letter to the Ephesians. It has this beautiful pivot at the end of chapter 3 where the first three chapters of the book are really all about here is what God has done for you. Here is who you are. Here are all these things that are true about God and about you and about the world you live in. This is what's happened. These are things that you need to know. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul pivots to, therefore, in light of everything I've just told you, this is how you should then live. And so the final three chapters of the letter then are all about how to live, how to walk is one of Paul's favorite verbs for that, how to live in light of everything that we have just learned about who we are and all that God has done for us. Think and do. As a brief aside, I would like to just put in a small plug here for a method of reading the Bible. I encourage you in your Bible study to focus on individual books like Ephesians or Luke or Deuteronomy to try to take one book at a time and really focus on the message of what that overall book says to you. Because the Bible comes to us not as one book, but really as 66 individual books. And sometimes if we can isolate what's happening in an individual book, we get a better sense of the context and the sweep and the structure of the book to allow it to better speak into our lives. Unfortunately, some of us, and I'm including myself here, have a tendency to treat the Bible as God's giant book of inspiring quotes, and we want to take individual verses out of context and apply them to our daily situations. And maybe there's nothing wrong with that to a degree. Certainly individual verses can and do speak to us in our situations. But the more that we can appreciate the sweep of an entire book, an entire message, I believe it gives us greater insight into what that book might want to say to us what God might want to say to us in our individual lives. So if you can find 10 minutes this week to read through the entire letter to the Ephesians in one setting, that will really help to begin give you an idea of the context and the focus of what Paul is doing here. Over the next several episodes, I'll be going through Ephesians, not verse by verse, but sort of stepping through the different passages that are impactful to me and just sharing my insights from them. So as I've said, overall, the message of Ephesians is think and do. Think and do. So the first section, think, the first three chapters of the letter, are really all about theology and ideas and the truth of what God has done for us in Christ. So let's just pause right there for a second and think about maybe just how radical that idea is. The idea that there is such a thing as truth that there are things that we can know, that there is certainty about what God has done for us in Christ. Because in this postmodern space we inhabit, 
it seems like every truth claim is questioned. Every news story is delivered as being spun for one side or the other. Stories that one side doesn't like are quickly dismissed as fake news. I can't tell you how many times I heard someone say during the last election cycle, well, I don't even know what's really true anymore because there are so many different stories out there. And every time a news story comes out, the other side just says, well, that's not true. You're misinterpreting or you're taking things out of context. So the upshot of all this is we live in a time that's deeply suspicious and skeptical of people saying that something is true, that certain things are beyond question, that these things have happened. And that's really where we start out in the book of Ephesians. Paul spends quite a bit of time just telling us about some things that have happened. So although we don't have an exact date of when the letter to the Ephesians was written, scholars usually place it somewhere around A.D. 60, so around 30 years after Jesus' death. And this letter is written apparently to a group of Christians in Ephesus. I say apparently because the words in Ephesus don't appear in some of the earliest manuscripts. And that has led to some speculation that it may have been a circular letter that was passed around through the different churches in uh, Asia Minor, which is what we now call Turkey. Um, So there is a purpose in Paul sending this letter to a group or possibly groups of Christians to remind them and teach them about the basics of the Jesus story. And so again, the first three chapters of the book are all about those fundamentals, those essentials of who you are and what God has done for you. So the passage I'm looking at this morning is found in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. And it's a blessing. It's praise. It's doxology. It's a blessing and a praise to God the Father and all the amazing things he has done for us, specifically in Christ. That's Paul's overall point of these verses, is that what God has done for us, all this cool, incredible stuff God has done for us, it's all been done in Christ. And there's amazing consequences to God showing up in the person of Christ on earth and just incredible stuff he's done for us in Christ. This is a really neat section because in the original Greek of Ephesians, verses 3 through 14 is all one sentence. That's right. All 11 verses are one long monstrosity run-on sentence in Greek. It's an incredible grammatical exercise by Paul to write one sentence that's 11 verses long. I mean, can you imagine being in middle school and trying to diagram a sentence that long? I'm sorry to bring back memories like that, but uh, I just had a flashback to diagramming sentences in eighth grade, and oh my gosh. So let me read this to you without further ado. It goes like this. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And as I read, don't try to necessarily understand every single word or clause here. Just try to let the force of these words wash over you like a, a flood or an avalanche, because it's just this ongoing, seemingly endless blessing. It goes like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, 
he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Wow, there is just so much going on in those 11 verses. I will not even begin to try to break them all down for you because we'd be here all day. Paul is just piling up words and phrases and clauses, almost like he's caught up in some kind of ecstatic moment of just realizing the beauty and depth of all that God has done for us. So just a few brief observations. Number one, if you just look at the verbs and the other key words in this section, here's a short list of them. Blessed, chosen, predestined, adopted, given, redeemed, forgiven, lavished, purposed, unified, chosen, predestined, included, believed, marked, sealed, guaranteed, redeemed. So even that short list of verbs and keywords is a bit overwhelming, right? Because it covers everything from eternity past, predestined before the creation of the world, to eternity future. The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, reference to heaven, the life to come. And so it's all there, past, present, future, All this amazing stuff God has done for us in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, with Christ. Paul really doesn't want his hearers to miss the point here. It's all through Christ. He's the point of it all. So consider for a moment just the flooding effect of those words. Words that were usually heard by most people before they were read. There were very few people who could read in those days. And so the common practice was for a group of people to meet in someone's house and someone who could read would read the words out loud to the entire group. And so imagine you're sitting there just hearing these words kind of washing over you. Again, all these phrases and clauses piling up one after another in one long sentence. On the one hand, that might be somewhat overwhelming, but hopefully on the other, it's also very encouraging. At least that's the effect of the words on me is they they encourage me and they seem to make a lot of my problems seem very insignificant in light of the cosmic sweep of God's mercy and kindness. That's the sense I get from these words is when I can get out of my little head and all of my thoughts and the things that weigh me down here 
and I can really consider what God has done for me and my family and all who call on his name through Christ. It's just, it's incredible. And like Paul, it makes me want to praise God and say back to him all the amazing things he's done for me. And so that's really our first application from today's passage is take some time this week just to praise God like Paul does here in this passage, simply praising God and reminding him of all the cool things he has done for you, all the ways he's helped you throughout your individual story, maybe ways that he's met you and provided for you, ways you've experienced his forgiveness and his nearness in your life. Praise is a very important exercise in reorienting our minds because if you're like me, you get so focused and weighed down on the here and now, the problems that are going on with you know, raising kids or in our political space or with the pandemic. It's so easy to get discouraged and anxious about those things. Praise is a wonderful way to reorient ourselves to true north, to reality, to what God has done for us in Christ. The second application for us from this passage, I believe, has to do with the place of knowledge and truth, which I alluded to earlier, that knowledge matters, ideas matters. It matters that we have the correct Jesus story, that we understand the facts. Jesus himself said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And if it's truth that leads to freedom, then it logically follows what keeps us in bondage is lies errors. And to give you just one autobiographical example from this passage, for years in my Christian life, I felt like I was missing something or lacking something. Like I didn't have some important thing that I needed to grow and to be happy as a person. And and that belief had kind of settled in my soul and taken root. And I was just really not happy as a Christian for many years. And it was verse 3, the opening verse of this passage, that really began to show me the error of my thinking and help me to see the truth of my position in Christ. It reads, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. And it began to dawn on me, the light bulb came on, that in Christ I really do have access to everything I need. I lack nothing, really. Like Psalm 23 says, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And I can't tell you how just that shift in my thinking from faulty thinking of believing I'm lacking something, missing something, don't have something I need, to God has given me in Christ everything I could possibly ever need for this life. It's there. I have access to it. So that's just one small example from my life about how knowing the truth resulted in life change for me. Knowing the truth really did set me free. And all that to say, there is a place in the Christian tradition for knowing truth, believing truth, walking in the truth, that right thinking leads to right living, that orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Orthopraxy is right behavior, right? So knowledge can help us in the journey to live the way God intended for us to live. That's not saying knowledge and reason solves every single one of our problems. Not every problem is cognitive. 
but it helps us to know the truth and live the truth so we can walk in the truth. So knowledge is good because it leads to us living the way God meant for us to live. Think and do, think and do, think and do. Well, hey, spend some time this week in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, dwelling on all the amazing things God has done for you in Christ. Spend some time with him, praising him, worshiping him for the great things he's done for you, and I believe you'll be blessed in the process. This has been The Word is Very Near You. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another devotion.